The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. I want to thank Becky and the team uh, this morning for leading us in the proclamation of God's faithfulness, God's goodness, proclaiming that He is worth building our lives on. Amen? I want to thank them for serving in their giftedness this morning and doing a great job. So excited that we can come together every week and participate in that way. That all of us can participate in singing and raising our voices in praise and proclaiming the truth about who God is and about what he's done. Before we go any farther this morning, I want to take a moment. Um, If you're a news person, uh, there have been a couple mass shootings in the past 24 hours in our country. And I don't know what your politics are. I don't really necessarily care about what your politics are on that right now. But I would like to stop and as the body of Christ, just pray for our country. Pray against the hatred. Pray against the anger that is flowing and that is causing some of these things. Pray against what Satan wants to accomplish. Can we do that? Okay, so just spend some time, would you, praying over those things. God, we, we come this morning seeing uh, darkness at work in some areas of our country, seeing violence and anger and hatred and whatever else is, is causing these things, Lord. Whatever else is the root, this evil taking place. And God, we lift up the situations to you. We lift up uh, the families of the victims to you. We lift up those who are hurt and are recovering in hospitals and 
Father, we lift up first responders to you that had to deal with the situations. We, we lift up the victims uh, and the families left behind. We lift up the family left behind of, uh, of the people who did this, Father. And we're asking that your truth, your love, your light, your peace would prevail. Asking that you would continue to give us wisdom, continue to give us boldness to act according to your word, to act according to your spirit, to act according to your love as we have chance in this world to shine, to make a difference, to be a difference. We ask for some healing, just of mindsets. And we know it's probably only going to get worse, but Father, uh, we ask for your will to be done. We ask for your kingdom come. It's in Jesus' name, and for his glory we pray. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be reading today from Matthew 6. If you are a Bible app user on your phone, uh, we have an event specially made for you. If you don't know how to access that, turn it on, go to your homepage, tap more, tap events, tap Westway Christian Church. More events, Westway Christian Church. You'll find it. If you are a, if you don't have a Bible, if you're not an app user, there are Bibles in the little shelves in front of you on the seats, and you can turn to page 600 in that. That's where we'll be today, or if you're using the large print, the large print edition, uh, we're going to be at page 775. So, invite you to participate in that. Lastly, If you have questions about something that you've seen today or something you've heard today or will hear today, uh, you can text them to 307-316-2023. And what happens is uh, a couple of us then take those questions and we try to address them or answer them. Or sometimes we intentionally try not to answer them just to mess with your mind. Not really but to help you question more, dig in a little bit more. And so we do that on Tuesdays at 11.15 a.m. on our Facebook Live video. If you don't catch it at 11.15, let me tell you how it works. You can catch it later on Facebook still. Or you can catch it on our website. We post it there as well. So enough business. Enough business. Let's dig in today. So we're reading Matthew 6, starting with verse 1. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. 
blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all their reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your right or don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is the reward, that is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. But pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except for your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Don't store up treasures here on earth. I'm slipping into NIV there, sorry. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your light is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? 
Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and the righteousness that he will, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when, when you can't see past the big log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs, for they will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Keep on praying. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So we've been learning for the past couple weeks up to this point in history that there were kind of two sides of worship set up. There's the temple, temple tabernacle, say that five times fast, temple tabernacle worship and, and the moralistic worship, and that was established by God through the giving of the Ten Commandments and the law. It could be broken down into a couple different sections, the, the loving God, vertical peace, and how we approached him, and the loving others peace, and how we approached and treated one another. We learned that after the time of the second temple, that there was a shift to kind of a more moralistic side, and, and the rise of local synagogues took place, and the rise of local rabbis took place, and they started making all these extra rules, all these extra traditions, and, and these extra rules and traditions sometimes could be treated the same as or even greater than the law. And then along comes Jesus the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, the Redeemer that Israel 
had been waiting for. And instead of introducing this kingdom of worldly physical power, he introduces a life of kingdom righteousness that works from the inside out. And as John and Joe both both brought up and, and vocalized, it is initiated by God the Father through the work of Jesus on the cross and empowered by the Holy Spirit dwelling in the hearts of believers, producing changed hearts and new motivations which leads us to the law in action. Today we're going to talk mainly about the new motivations that we can have as we pursue, as we live out the law in action. In the chapter and a half that we just read from Matthew this morning, when I first read through this uh, for sermon prep, there was, there was one verse that kind of just popped out at me, that just stood out, and it, and it in my mind... It, it kind of spoke, Shane, if you can get this down, if you can live this out, then that helps kind of shape and form the things we're looking at in this chapter. That'll help you form your motivations. That'll help shape your heart. And that verse is Matthew six twenty one. Where your treasure is. There your heart, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So today, we're going to be asking the question, where is our treasure found? Is our treasure found in Jesus? And is he enough? Those are questions that, which the answer to is imperative for the practical, righteous living out of the law and actions this passage is calling for. About 13 years ago, uh, off the coast of the Philippines, there was a fisherman, and he recovered a giant pearl from a giant clam. And so we don't know exactly when, we don't know exactly where, because the family was very hush-hush about this. But he brought this thing home and displayed it for the family, and the family was like, oh, cool, neat. In fact, the family thought it was so neat that one of the family members took it and placed it under their bed. They thought it was that cool. But actually, they'd placed it under their bed because... They wanted to use it as a good luck charm. And so eventually one of the family members kind of got uh, a little bit curious about it. It was like, well, I want to know what we have here. And so they posted a picture of it on Facebook. And so they kind of asked some gemologists to kind of chime in, give their two cents. And so... Eventually, they found out that this was the largest natural pearl recovered from a giant clam that's ever been recovered. Let me tell you about this bad boy. Okay, are you ready? 26 inches long. So we're talking over two feet long, a foot wide, 
Now, when you're thinking pearl, you're thinking this nice spherical thing. This thing looks kind of like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> Maybe like a tongue, like a cow tongue. It's, it's odd. But this thing is 75 pounds. Ladies, how would you like that bling? Weighing your finger down. Wear that sucker around your neck. So, the Pearl of Puerto, as it's been called, as it's been named since, has been valued at $100 million. Yeah. So that little treasure, that little good luck charm hidden under the bed of this family had, been, had turned out to be a pretty amazing and valuable treasure. I think my mic broke. It's still hanging on, so I think I'm just going to remove this part, and we're going to hope that this just stays by magic. In Matthew 13, 44 through 45, we find this parable about a valuable treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So, let's say that you have the option today to buy the Pearl of Puerto. Okay? You have the option to buy this large Jabba the Hutt-sized pearl. And all you, have to, all you have to pay for it is everything that you own. Your home, your cars, all your little knickknacks, all your little stuff. Clear out your bank accounts, clear out your pension. But... I mean, in reality, you can just buy the thing and then turn it around and make more, right? I can tell you that my house and my cars and my stuff doesn't even equal up to $100,000, so it's kind of a no-duh proposition for me. I don't know where you're at. But Jesus says that following him and choosing to live this life in this new kingdom of righteousness, living out the law in action is like that. It's like this massive treasure found in a field. It's that pearl of great value. And it's worth everything that we are. It's worth everything that we have. Right? I mean, that's the wrestling that we have to come to today. We, need, we read these words and we have to wrestle with the truth that is smacking us in the face. Is Jesus my treasure? Do I hold him with that much esteem and regard and power? Is he worth giving up my life for, giving up everything for? Is he enough? Those are the questions we have to answer today. So if we go back to 621 in Matthew, is Jesus my treasure? 
Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. So, if Jesus is my treasure, then what? Then the desires of my heart, the motivations of my heart, are going to be about the things of Jesus. Do you see where I've gone here? (laughs) If Jesus is my treasure, then the desires of my heart are with Jesus. The desires of my heart are for his kingdom. Jesus is my treasure. My actions and the things I do will benefit others and point to Jesus. If Jesus is my treasure, my attitude will strive to be Christ-like. I will be a Christ-like servant considering others better than myself. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. There my motivations will be. If the treasure of my heart is myself, then the desires of my heart are going to be on the things that bring me pleasure. They're going to benefit and promote me. The desires of my heart, my motivations, will carry over into my attitude and it will be selfish and constantly about me, me, me. Now, I feel this is important as we look at the rest of this chapter because it sets up our motivation and motivation seems to be the problem here in chapter 6, right? If Jesus is my treasure, looking at the beginning of chapter 6, and if I truly believe that Jesus is enough for me, then when I'm doing good deeds and giving to the needy, instead of making a spectacle of it for the attention I can receive from other people, I will give humbly. I will give quietly without show, doing it in a way that doesn't allow my left hand to know what my right hand is doing, right? That's pretty quiet. It's pretty secretive to keep secrets from your hands. If Jesus is my treasure and absolutely enough for me, my desire will not be for the praise and the attention of others. It's not going to be for the people around me, but it will be for the reward of my Father in heaven. If Jesus is my treasure, my desires, my motivation will be for the way of righteousness and love that he desires. We continue on into the section of prayer. How, how does Jesus as our treasure, as our desire, as our motivation change the way we pray? If Jesus is my treasure, then my prayers are, are going to be for the purpose of, of connecting and communicating with my Heavenly Father rather than trying to get the attention of people around me. If Jesus is my treasure, then I'm going to pray with humility 
as we walk through the Lord's model prayer, that I may pray with humility, humility, understanding who is truly in control, understanding his holiness, his righteousness, his power. Going to understand where true peace and life come from. If Jesus is my treasure and my prayer, I'm going to understand that God is the one who provides for my physical needs. I'm going to understand the power of forgiveness, understand that extending forgiveness is paramount for my life and truly living in the forgiveness of God. I pause right there just a little bit because there's a couple phrases in both that are pretty important, I think. They talk about losing. One is doing your deeds in the sight of men. Right off the bat at 6-1. Saying that if you do that, and this is your motivation, you will lose your reward from God. That's what it says. And then here, another pretty dangerous one. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. I bring those up because I know that some of us are messing around in here. Forgiveness is a huge key, and and there are people that are dwelling within our body space that don't talk to each other that sit on opposite sides of the room, family members that don't have anything to do with each other. If Jesus is our treasure, the desires of his heart, the motivations of his heart are our motivations, are our desires. And forgiveness is huge on his desire list. Love is huge on his desire list. So we can unpause. That's a whole other sermon. There's a phrase that's repeated several times throughout this section as well for people whose motives are off. And it's that little phrase, that is all the reward they will ever get. I just want you to think about that phrase. That is all the reward you will ever get. And how lame is that? I mean, really, ultimately. If all I'm doing is working to get your attention, (laughs) in the grand scheme, that's... I may put it as plainly as I can, dumb. It's not worth my time, not worth your time. Especially when I think about some of these disciplines that we're looking at in prayer and fasting and how spiritually powerful they can be. Where if Jesus is our treasure, And his kingdom is our motivation. And if we come before him with those right motives, and we're praying and we're fasting, think about the power that is there. 
not our power. It's not the power of your attention. <laughs> it's God's power. And I love you guys, but your attention does not have the power to change lives. Your attention does not hold the power to heal. Your attention does not hold the power to save. So I just want to remind you of that as we're thinking about motivations, especially as we're thinking about our practices as we come before the Lord. Come before the one who has that power, the one who is enough. If Jesus is truly my treasure, then I will not worry about my material possessions. I'm not going to store up for myself a bunch of crap that is just going to fade away. If Jesus is truly my treasure, then I will not worry about where I'm going to live, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat. See, because I'm seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first, understanding that I am his workmanship, I am his creation. And what the scriptures say? He cares about that. He loves you. Those birds and those lilies, they're cool and all. And you see how he takes care of them. How much more so you, as you seek him, as you love him. He's going to take care of the physical necessities of my life. So, if Jesus is my treasure, my motivations are correct, my focus is correct, and I have that understanding. If Jesus is truly my treasure, he will be enough for me as we move into chapter 7. I won't feel the need to compare myself to others and try to bring them down lower by judging others for their sins so that I can puff myself up a little bit, feel better about my own shortcomings. If Jesus is my treasure, I'm going to be worried about my own sin. Worried about taking care of what's in here. Making sure that's right with him. Because that's his desire. And his desire is my desire. Because where my treasure is, there the desires of my heart will also be. If Jesus is my treasure, then my desire will be to seek God often. And ask for as much help from him as I possibly can receive. Knowing that he is a good heavenly father who likes to give good gifts to his children. If Jesus is my treasure, then. A lot of good things can happen. But, a lot of times, Jesus is not my treasure. Know what I'm saying? Do you feel me? A lot of moments of my day, Jesus is not my treasure. A lot of times in my attitudes, 
It's hard to say that Jesus is my treasure. A lot of times self is my treasure far too often. The, more, the pursuit of stuff can become my treasure. Netflix can look my, like my treasure some days. Fantasy football can look like my treasure some days. Music can look like my treasure some days. At least those things are are what the desires of my heart are pointing to at different times. Those are what are being exhibited by my time and my energies anyway. And we have to be careful too, even of of the good things, right? Because like, even at the beginning of this chapter, we're talking about good things. We're talking about doing good deeds. We're talking about giving to the needy. We're talking about praying. We're talking about fasting. All good things for the kingdom, yes? What we see it time and time again is people live out the law or religious practices associated with law, but if the focus is not on the treasure, I'm using big T treasure, Jesus Christ treasure, then we can be spending lots of time serving on praise teams, teaching Sunday schools, volunteering for student and children's ministries, working the coffee board, going on small group, being a greeter, being a communion server, working in the garden, on and on and on. But if our treasure is not Jesus, eventually our desires and our outcomes catch up. And they're shown for what they are. Get this. When our focus and treasure is skewed, our religion is screwed. Yeah? You like that? Okay, get past the word that I said screwed and listen. When our focus and treasure is skewed, our religion is screwed. If our treasure is not Jesus, if it's on something else, something so much less than than our religion, the way we practice out our law in action, the way we practice out living in love. If Jesus is not our treasure, then the rest of that is skewed and we're doing it for the wrong motives, the wrong reasons. And it becomes pointless, even evil. We jump ahead into Matthew 15. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want to. I'm not going to read through it. I just want to point your attention to it. We see religious leaders who are very busy with a lot of rules, very busy with their regulations, and they were trying to monitor who was doing what and how often they were doing it. 
But they had taken their focus off the treasure. At that time, they had taken their treasure, or they had taken their focus off the treasure of God's law. And they began to treasure their own man-made ideas instead of the law. And Jesus quoted this passage from Isaiah saying, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. be easy for us to do. I think in our culture, as we come together, as we gather, as we go through the motions sometimes of singing praise on a Sunday morning, just go through the motions of prayer, just go through the motions of hearing the word, go through the motions of studying our Bible, go through the motions of prayer. Sorry for the sniffle. It's easier for us to kind of fall into those patterns and lose sight of the treasure. And as we lose sight of the treasure, our heart our heart can become a little more cold. our heart can become a little more crusty. Know what I'm saying? So is Jesus your treasure? Is he the thing that you're willing to give up everything for? Can you say that, that Jesus is enough for you? Can you say that you don't have to pursue wealth. You don't have to pursue acceptance. You don't have to pursue power. You just have to live in the knowledge and know that he is your strength. Is he that kind of treasure for you? Because where the treasure of your heart is, there your desires will also be. There your motivations will also be. I want to encourage you today to make sure that Jesus is your treasure, that he is the one that your heart desires, that he is the one that motivates you in your walk toward law and action. I want to make sure that he is that the pursuit of him is dictating the desires of your heart and that in turn is leading you to a transformed life. Living out a life of extravagant outpourings of love, love for God and love for those around you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for being worthy of great honor, worthy of being our treasure. Thank you for a life of faithfulness, a life of love, a life of example lived for us to follow.
Father, as we consider questions about you being our treasure this morning, as we consider questions about you being enough for us this morning, for our desires and our needs. We ask, Father, that you would grant wisdom to know our hearts, to know ourselves. You grant us courage to, to deal with our lives according to your truth. That there would be confession where there needs to be confession. That there would be repentance where there needs to be repentance. That there would be life change, Father, as we just continue to turn to you, as we continue to make you our treasure. Continue to align align our desires, our motivations to be in line with yours. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.